find yourself in a rookie draft. You may find yourself without any premium picks. And you may find yourself about to draft a tight end in the first round. And you may find yourself with no trade downs and no interested owners. And you may ask yourself, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> hey, hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Roto Bond podcast. Pete Davidson here, as always, feeling a little better today. Sorry, uh, I was AWOL last week, ended up having a wisdom tooth taken out. New experience for me, would prefer to not have it happen again. Um, I'm sure some of you uh, have a little empathy coming my way, but man, not fun. Um, anyway, feeling a little better this morning. This is going to be a quick podcast. I'm going to be coming back um, with at least two podcasts for the draft, probably three. Um, and I will be live uh, potting. In a sense, I, probably what I'm going to do is drop like a podcast every day. They're going to be sort of quick podcasts, maybe 20 minutes or so, uh, covering the UDPL league, um, uh, which is going to be fun for me because right now I really don't have any picks in that draft, um, which is, you know, for, for longtime listeners of the show, you know that is like so far away uh, from my MO. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting experience. Uh, but it puts me in a position to really sort of pull back, uh, have a top-down view of the draft, um, and who knows, maybe the show gets interesting if I, if, if I decide to, to trade into the draft. Um, but anyway, wh what we're here for today, um, we're going to get back into this rookie stuff. We're going to talk about the tight ends today and just sort of get into an overall uh, take on the draft. But uh, before we get into that, uh, just, just a couple general topics, um, and one of them will sort of relate uh, to the tight ends, and then we'll sort of uh, transition. So the first thing I want to talk about um, is the OBJ signing uh, with the Ravens, which as a Jet fan, bummed me out and definitely in general sort of, you know, caught me a little bit off guard. Um, but, you know, the more I think about it, the more it's pretty interesting. Um, certainly it's got to be a huge signal that Lamar's going to be back. Uh, not the first person who's, uh, who's uh, put that thought out loud. But, um, you know, given the way they've struggled with receivers there, given the way that Beckham can work all three levels of the field, it's going to be an interesting fit. I mean, this is obviously the most athletic quarterback Beckham's ever worked with. So now, you know, where you had Eli Manning, didn't really have the ability to extend plays. Baker Mayfield, eh, maybe a little bit, but even if he extended them, you know, throwing on the move for Baker became challenging. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Stafford obviously was a decent fit for Beckham, but more just from the deliver, you know, the delivery standpoint, um, Stafford's not a big play extender. So now we're looking at a situation where Beckham, who by the way, is a good adjuster. So when the quarterback breaks, Beckham's the kind of guy who knows how to work the field, come back, do those, you know, fundamental things that a receiver needs to do. This could be a better fit, um, than some folks think, and it may unlock some of Beckham's upside that we haven't seen in quite a while. Um, so if Beckham is a guy that people just aren't into because of age, you know, injury, haven't seen him long enough, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I, I like him as a cheap ad. I mean, I, I, I got him for a, a, a late second round pick last year and I gotta be honest, I'm not hating it. Um, so, you know, I, Look, I've always been a big Beckham supporter. I, you know, I'm a fan. I admit it. Uh, but I think 
there could be buying opportunities here as long as he doesn't, for some reason, uh, become a guy everybody wants. I, I think Beckham could be, you know, if you can buy him at wide receiver three or four prices, and that may be the case, I still think you're getting a guy who, you know, we don't, I don't think you can put, I still think Beckham has enough talent. If that knee is sound, and that's the thing we don't know. Um, we talked about that, I think, two podcasts ago, that there's multiple scenarios here. The fact that the Ravens stuck their necks out says a little something positive on that front. Um, but, you know, what I always look for, what I preach on this podcast, is we're looking for players who can crush their draft position. And if Beckham is going back there with, you know, guys who are borderline roster cloggers, that's a guy to target anyway. Um, now this is the thing that's going to sort of dovetail into today's position that we're talking about, the tight ends. Um... First, we'll talk about a poll that I put up on Twitter. Some of you may or may not be on Twitter. Um, some of you may not be on Twitter anymore. Um, anyway, uh, I put a poll out. Basically said, if you could have the TE3 in this class, um, meaning the one who comes off the board third in the NFL draft, would you want that over Mike Gusecki? Now, 83% said yes. 83%. And, you know, please don't misunderstand. Please don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, I get it. Gusecki's been a disappointment. There's, there's no way around it. Um, but it's really important to not lose track of how tight ends have worked in terms of productivity relative to rookie year, sophomore year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. A lot of tight ends have broken out in three, four, and five. You know, we look for receivers to break out as rookies or year two or year three, uh, you know, every now and then you get someone who breaks out even later, like a Devonte Adams or something. But you know, and I look, I know eighty percent of you guys. I'm telling you something you already know. But even though we know it, it's one of those things that we tend to either push to the side or forget when we find a guy we really like. Um, and it's just important to stay sober on this for a number of reasons. One thing that we've learned is that even if it's a guy that you want, sometimes it's best to pull back, let somebody else overpay, and when then when that slow developmental curve for the position kicks in, you know, you can come in and get a player on the cheap. Um, I've been able to do that with a number of tight ends. I've also blown it with a number of tight ends where I, I invested too heavily in them. This is something I've sort of learned via hard knocks over time. Um, so before we get into the individual player, individual players in this class, again, back to Gusecki, actually, for a second. I'm not in love with Mike Gusecki, but when you look at his measurables, he stacks up to this class very nicely. He's a guy who, when used, has had plenty of production in the NFL, didn't fit with Miami. Now he's taken by a team inside Miami's division who, by the way... Patriots, have a history of signing free agents from the Dolphins and getting a lot out of them. Wes Welker, hello. Um, so, you know, Belichick does have a knack for knowing who's good in his own division. Um, and, it, you know, if he signs Gusecki, he probably had a reason. They may have plans for him. Let's not forget, Gusecki has some flaws in his game, but the guy runs really well. He catches it really well. And if you set him up with run after the catch lanes, he can be something after the catch. Now, he's not going to make people miss, and he's not going to carry guys necessarily, but he's got that speed. So if a guy like Gusecki, when it comes to getting him off, obviously volume's huge, but play design and your ability to get him free is a huge factor. The Patriots exceed in play design. Now, 
new offensive people, you know, McDaniel's gone, blah, blah, blah. But the Patriots tend to have an idea how they want to use players. They tend to. Not always. There, there are exceptions. Um, but, you know, to me, if you offer me, you know, tight end three, four, five in this class, unless it's a guy I really like, I think the numbers say probably Gusecki is a better bet. And I think you don't have to listen to me and go get Gusecki, but just stay sober on that point, that no matter how much we love these guys, the tight end position is complex. It, it's not... It's not just some weird thing that tight ends develop slower than receivers. Tight ends have to go to two meeting rooms, right? They have to go to the offensive line room and the, the passing game room. They're in multiple meetings. They, you know, they have to learn more. Um, sometimes their offensive exploits, it's not even that they don't exist. It's that teams don't prioritize the deployment of those skills as much as they want to get these tight ends into being two-way players so they function the way that NFL team wants them to function. Obviously, as dynasty owners, what we want is targets. Um, and we see that sometimes those targets come later, um, or the, the money targets come later, or the increased snaps come later. So, you know, I, I think when we're looking at this class, and I'm about to get into some of the names, and again, I'm not going to get too deep into this because of what we're talking about, but, you know, look back at the 2013 class. That was a class that had a lot of good tight ends in it, right? Um, and a lot of guys had, like, Justice Cunningham and like Luke Wilson, Levine Toyolo, whatever, however you pronounced his name. Um, you, there, you know, there were a lot of guys that had, you know, pre-draft juice who ended up going later. Um, but, you know, Eifert, Ertz went early. They ended up being the talents we expected, but Eifert could never stay healthy. But, es you know, Gavin Escobar and Vance McDonald go in front of Travis Kelsey, right? And then a guy that, quite frankly, I remember at the time, Jordan Reed goes. And I'm like, Jordan Reed? I didn't even scout him as a tight end. And I went and did a deep film dive, dive on him literally on draft day. Uh, I call up Coach, my scouting partner, and I'm like, dude, have you seen this Jordan Reed guy? <laughs> And he's like, no. I'm like, and I email him a link to some YouTube stuff. He calls me back like 20 minutes later going, oh my God. And what, what Jordan Reed did that most tight end prospects don't, or what he showed on film, was the ability to carry his weight like a receiver and to change direction like a smaller athlete. And, you know, Kelsey's a guy who showed some of that on film as well. Now remember, Kelsey had a year off for disciplinary stuff, and he had the microfracture thing with his knees. There was that thing with Kelsey where we were like, man, we really like this guy. We love his motor. We love his heart. But we weren't sure what was, you know, what were the long-term effects of this knee stuff going to be. As it turns out, not much, right? Um, anyway, the point of this is that you can have a deep tight end class, and when you look back on it a few years later, we didn't have it anywhere near right. Um, so I, I have a strong feeling that while... The elite guys in this class may end up being elite. There's a good chance that there's a Kittle or a Kelsey or a Reed, you know, or, or, or a Knox or one of these types of guys who sort of jump in a little bit later. I think this draft has some guys like that. So it really, even if you're in a tight end premium league, being patient may benefit you. Not chasing 
the guy that you just love may benefit you. Because again, even with those players, you have a really good shot at getting another bite at that apple in a season or two if the, if the tight end doesn't take off. People get nervous, right? So, you know, like if you lost out on Kyle Pitts, well, guess what? You can go get Kyle Pitts right now. In fact, I think it'd be a great move, to be honest. Um, so it's a great position to, even when you've got somebody, it's like, oh, this guy's going to be good. I can feel it you're still going to get a, a really good chance that you get a second bite at that apple. So don't, don't, don't be too aggressive when you're drafting rookie tight ends. In fact, you know, we, we've talked about this. I've heard a lot of really smart people talk about it. One way to handle tight ends and rookie drafts is simply cross them off and don't draft. <laughs> okay. Um, now that's not my personal philosophy because I think you get to a point where the rubber and the mode, the rubber and the road, excuse me, do meet. Um, you know, I got George Kittle, uh, in the late third round a couple of years ago. And I mean, I was laughing like a Cheshire cat because we'd scouted him heavily and we knew that he was underutilized offensively. We didn't, I mean, look, did we know how good Kittle was going to be? No, but we knew he was a monster athlete. And I mean, he was a man among boys on film. But what we didn't see was that much of the receiving stuff because I wouldn't use him that way enough. Anyway, this class could easily have a Kittle in it. Now, Let's, 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 let's get to some of these names. Now, there's three guys that tend to be um, at the top of most lists. And those guys seem to be Dalton Kincaid, Michael Meyer, and Luke Musgrave. And Musgrave coming in third is sort of the reason I said TE3 when I did that poll. Because, got to be honest, I'm not a Luke Musgrave guy. Um, and I love the fact that he's so highly rated because I'm hoping that he's going to push players to me. Um, and we'll go through, let's go through these three guys. And these are just my basic impressions. There's so many deep scouting reports out there. And again, I linked it once. If any of you need the link again, Fantasy Points has a phenomenal free draft guide. It was really well done. Strongly recommend checking that out if you want to just do deep dives into these players. Um, but let's talk Mike Meyer first. Forget about the funny name. Um, Mayer's a guy who, he's just good at the game. And, and he could and should start, depending on where he goes, immediately. The problem with Mayer is that he's such a good all-around tight end. He's like what I would call sort of Heath Miller syndrome. Um, or even when we talk about Kittle, his offensive exploits may not show up statistically as much as they could because he's not going to be running as many routes as some guys because he can pass protect uh, and, and he's going to be an inline guy. So he's not going to get those second level routes as consistently as a detached tight end would. Um, and, you know, that should put him in more of a traditional tight end production curve. Traditional tight end, easy for me to say, traditional tight end production curves look more like Heath Miller and George Kittle and players like that, then they do Travis Kelsey, right? Or Darren Waller or somebody like that. So obviously, just from a standpoint of archetypes, we want to look for the tight ends who are more likely to become primary receivers than classic two-way tight ends. I know, I'm sorry to everybody out, out there who already knows this stone cold. It's just something I want to cover, okay? So Meyer, to me, is an excellent player. I think if you are drafting early, he might be the guy because... He's a guy who may return value immediately. He'll hold his value. If you want to deal him, you probably can. But I don't know if he has the ceiling 
You know, is he really baby Gronk? You know, does he have the offensive capability where they're going to start freeing him up to get him out in the routes? He could, but we are sort of beholden to the offensive philosophy of wherever he goes. Not a big fan of being beholden to NFL coaches' ideas and wants and whatnot. So that's where my concern with Myers. I mean, he's a good, good player, and I think he's probably one of the safer picks. Maybe the safe pick, excuse me. Now, Dalton Kincaid, you got the back injury, so there's some, there is some concern there. Not a ton of film, but man, I like Dalton Kincaid, I'm not going to lie. The thing about Kincaid is that you are going to have to pay for him, and I don't see any reason this guy wouldn't have a traditional curve in addition to the back stuff. Now, could he end up being Gronkowski? You know, people worried about the black, blah, 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 ends up being a monster. Yeah. So, you know, King, if there's a guy in this draft where I'd be willing to roll the dice, say, if I were in a premium format, maybe I've got a really deep team, I don't have any problem with draft picks, and I can basically do what I want with a pick, nobody wants to trade for it, that kind of thing, Kincaid might be the guy in this class where it's like, all right, I'll roll some dice on Kincaid. But just again, still don't love the idea, okay? So you got, you got Meyer and Kincaid, they're sort of at the top of my board. Then there's Musgrave, who everybody loves. I, I've seen him ranked ahead of Kincaid, which I, <laughs> for the life of me, I just don't get. Now, my phone's texting up. My cable company hopefully calling me back, telling me I'm going to be, be able to upload my podcast someday. Um, <laughs> anyway, here's the thing with Musgrave. Love the speed. From what I can tell, his route work is reasonably good. He can catch it. But I just... I. I just don't see the play strength. He, you know, when, when, when this guy gets the football, he's like a gazelle in the Serengeti. I'm, you know, and the defenders of the Lions. They just bring him down like nothing. And, I mean, he's, he, it's like his legs don't even exist sometimes when you're, when you're watching him get tackled. I, I see that as something that's really going to be a problem in the NFL. When we see tight end production in the NFL, like, look at Travis Kelsey. We need guys who can catch the ball, swing, break a tackle, stiff arm. You need that play strength. It's important when you're when you're looking at the, the, you know, the compiling of statistics. You need guys who can grind out those extra yards. The guys who can turn a five yarder into an eleven yarder are the tight ends who get targeted on third down underneath. If you if you're constantly getting taken down, you're not going to get those targets. So, it, it's, you know, as much as Musgrave has some things that are good, I don't see him as a complete player. And to me, he reeks of the kind of player who could have a long curve and maybe even be a bust. Now, having said that, is he also the kind of guy where if he landed in the right place with a team that wanted him to be an offensive player first and didn't really want to have him you know, do much blocking? Yeah, Musgrave does have ceiling. I'm not going to deny that. I see way more risk than reward with this guy. He's the guy I really, quite frankly, don't want in this class. And, and look, if Musgrave was, you know, talked about as the guy going late, then he might be one of my guys who, hey, this could be a target of opportunity, but he strikes me as a guy you're going to have to pay for. I'm not doing it. Now, next guy up on most boards is Darnell Washington. I love this guy. <laughs> I won't lie. I, I, I found myself going back and watching his film a third time just because I felt like it. This guy's a monster, but he is such a monster that he 
like Mayer, is going to have multiple applications. He may be a better inline blocker than a receiver once he develops. And, and he's definitely the kind of guy where NFL coaching staff may be like, yeah, we got guys who can do what he does in the pass game. We don't have guys who can play two-way like him. This guy can pass protect. He can mash in the run game. And yeah, he can catch the football. Um, he doesn't have much get-off speed. I don't love his release, but once he gets moving, the guy can run. So he's a very interesting player, and obviously they got that monster there at Georgia, so he wasn't even the number one tight end on his college team. So Washington's hugely interesting. I think there's some safety and security in him, but I do think that classic two-way element to him is problematic. So that's where I am with Washington. Um, now, the rest of the guys on my list are guys where it doesn't seem like they're going to go too high. And some of these guys are going to slip, okay? Now, I've already spoken about Sam Laporta. I love Sam Laporta. In all honesty, he could be my tight end one in this class. He really could be. But it doesn't matter it, it, because he's not going to be drafted there. He's the guy that I've got my eye on. I'm praying that people don't want him. I'm praying that I can just pick him up the way I grabbed Kittle a couple years ago. That would be a dream. Laporta aside, Brandon Strange out of Michigan. I feel like, excuse me, Brandon Strange. Um, Penn State. Michigan is Schumacher. We'll get to him in a second. I like Brandon Strange. You know, I, he's a little bit faster, I think, um, than his film indicates. Um, and, you know, he's got some size. He's a real thick player, but he carries his weight well. Um, so he's the kind of guy, to me, who could develop into a quality detached tight end in the right system. So I'm really interested in seeing where Brenton Strange lands. And if, as I anticipate, nobody really even wants the guy, he could be one of these you know, tight ends, especially in tight end premium leagues, that I grab really late or as a free agent and he ends up being something. So he's a guy who's on my radar. I don't even hear people talking about him. Um, Schumacher, Luke Schumacher, Michigan. Another guy. I don't hear anybody talking about this guy. I mean, in NFL terms, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure he gets a decent rating. But in the fantasy community, nothing. And, you know, he may be one of the safer picks in this draft because... I'd be really surprised if this guy busted. Now, he doesn't have a whole lot of burst. Um, he's not sudden. But what he has is just a really well-developed overall game. And sort of like Washington, once he starts running, he can run a little bit. So I think uh, Luke Schoonmaker is a potential um, value late. Um, and then guys like... Um, Well, let's, let's go with Tucker Craft first out of South Dakota State. Big fan. Um, you know, is he the next Dallas Goddard? Nah, I don't know about that. I don't know if he has the ball skills that Goddard showed in college, but he does have that alpha attitude. He does everything well. Uh, he catches it well. His routes are, for a guy playing, you know, mid-level quality, he's got pretty good route work, and it looks like it could get better has a lot of attitude after the catch. He has that ability that I was talking about before to take a catch, spin it, pick up extra yards. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Tucker Craft fan. Um, now, he's a guy maybe the NFL likes a little more than people are thinking. We'll have to see what happens with him. But again, an example of the depth, right? When you, we're talking about all these names, folks, some of these guys just aren't going to get drafted in our rookie drafts. I mean, teams have priorities, right? 
People need running backs. They need receivers. They don't need tight ends. So we are going to get to a point in the draft, middle third, early fourth, where some of these guys are going to be sitting out there. And if you've got the roster spot to hold them, they become decent picks. It's where you have tighter rosters and you're using picks that have that you really need to hit where taking these guys can really hurt you. So, you know, just try to keep that in your mind. As much as love is going to make you want to jump up to get the one of these guys that maybe, you know, tickles your fancy, if you can just sort of tone down the heartstrings and let these guys fall to you, there are going to be buying opportunities. Um, and then the other, uh, Zach Goons from Old Dominion. He's probably the last guy. Another guy. Shows a lot of potential. He's, he's The dude's like 6'7 plus. Um, and he's a pretty damn good player. So um, there are just a lot of guys. If you can just keep your emotions out of it and draft the traits when the traits become valuable relative to the draft position you're in, I think this is a position you can win. I don't think it's a year to take tight ends off your board, but I do think it's a year to be careful with the emotional component. So, you know, that, that's sort of a wrap on the tight ends, um, at least for now. Um, and hey, look, we got a couple minutes here to play with. So um, there were a couple more things I just wanted to just jump into. These are some general thoughts. I'll be more specific um, next week. Uh, I plan on doing a pretty good film dive um, after the next game today, if I'm able to watch it. Um, and then also, um, Coach and I are doing a long film dive tomorrow, so we're going to make some as many determinations as we can. At this point, we don't really force um, this stuff anymore. Like if we're like these two guys seem the same, we're just that's it, They're the same. We're not going to hem and haw to figure out which one we like more. The NFL can make that decision for us. Um, uh, but a couple things. Um, we talked about the receivers earlier uh, in an earlier pod, and I was sort of hoping uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo would not separate the way he seems to have separated. Um, but look, there's a lot of smart people out there and I, I think they're right on this one. Um, I really like this kid a lot and I don't think anybody else in the class stacks up to him. Uh, at least not in a predictable way. I mean, you know, in a couple of years you might be like, wow, this guy really developed. But to me, Smith and Jigba just, he's predictable. Like he could be a high volume, exciting guy who posts big uh, target reception and touchdown numbers. Um, a very safe pick. Uh, depending on the way your league works, I, he could be the number one pick. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think you're nuts. Anyway, um, so that you know, that's that's sort of bumming me out, <laughs> to, to be honest. Uh, but when it comes to the receivers, you know, look, he's at the top of my board, um, and I love Jordan Addison um, and a couple other guys. Uh, I just love the way they play. Um, but when I'm looking at the receivers right now, my eyes are moving, you know, to, you know, a couple guys. You know, Josh Downs is one of the players we're going to be working on in the next couple of days. I Really what I need in the guy is more film. I've got so much film of him breaking tackles, you know, sticking his fan, you know, his face in the fan. I love the kid from a standpoint of competitiveness. He's really good at the things I asked him, uh, you know, to do an NC, but and by the way, I hear a lot of people who aren't stupid telling me he's really good with the routes. What I don't have enough route film. Most of the route work I see is underneath. It's drags. It's behind the line of scrimmage. Um, or he's sort of bursting and he's getting up behind the defense. But I'm not seeing a lot of him just like getting out of breaks. I'd like to see what his out route looks like. I don't even know. So 
he's a sort of a classic player where I'm not going to fill in the blanks myself. I'm going to say, okay, either you couldn't find the film you needed or it doesn't exist or whatever. The NFL's got it. And so I'm going to probably trust them. If he goes to a team where I feel like his skill set fits and they lean in, then I'm probably going to sort of just have a little faith. If he slips a little bit, then I'm going to say, hey, maybe maybe where I see smoke, there's actually fire. So he's a guy, and, and again, we're going to endeavor to find more film on this guy. Uh, but Downs is a player where the production, to me, could be Saturday production that doesn't translate to Sunday production. Doesn't mean I don't like the kid. I actually like the kid a lot. Um, but if Downs is a guy where I have to use a first-round pick on him, and... You know, for example, I can get a guy maybe a whole round later, like Marvin Mims, who to me probably has a shakier floor than a guy like Downs, but if he hits, he could be a downfield threat, midfield threat. God help you if he develops a little bit more with his route running and, you know, if he becomes a little bit more consistent catching the ball. And that stuff's all possible. Um, so I'm a big Marvin Mims fan just from the standpoint of what if it happens and this guy can fly and he plays with a lot of heart. So, you know, I, this is one, it, the thing with this class is as much as they're guys where it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to jump in. <laughs> There's just, it's just one of these classes where it seems like the second round is going to have similar, if you know, if you know what you're doing, it's going to have similar upside at a drastically reduced cost. So for a guy like me who doesn't, you know, and I'm, this is not a humble brag, I swear, but like, I, I mean, for in a general, you know, just sort of rounding it off, I probably make the playoffs like 90% of the time in Dynasty Leagues. And generally speaking, my teams end up semis or finals or winning, and I just don't get picks in the top six. It doesn't really happen. Um, so this is sort of my default way of drafting because generally speaking, I'm at the edge. You know, I'm one of the last first-round picks. Um and this year, I <laughs> the first round pick that I'm supposed to have, which would have been, I think, in the UDPL, I think I would have had the eight maybe, because um, I got knocked out. Um, I traded that pick away. So, and I traded my second and my third. So uh, I'm very much, as I mentioned earlier, uh, outside looking in. Um, so when I look at that league in particular, again, it sort of fits my style. Like I, I'm going to jump in when the value is compelling to me. Um, I'm probably not going to jump in in round one based on love unless somebody has a buying opportunity that I really like. And I'm, there are a couple players, and at some point I guess I'm going to have to say who they are. But <laughs> I, I know some people are listening. Anyway, um, so I, I'm definitely still working on some of these receivers, trying to figure out you know, where the buying line for me is, is going to be. Now let's, let's just shift over to running backs just for a second, and we're going to get out of here, right? I know now I'm actually going over my time a little bit. Um, you know, it's not a bad running back class because I really believe in the top two guys. Um, I love Bijan, obviously, and I think Jameer Gibbs is... I, I think he's a special player. Uh, you know, I think he's underrated, probably. Um, it gets... You know, where things get interesting is after those guys. One guy that I'm struggling with, I sort of alternately like the guy and then just not sure, um, is uh, Zach Charbonnet, Charbonnet from, uh, from UCLA. Um, obviously, the size is good. Um, I like the fact that he seems to have, you know, equal ability as a runner and as a receiver. He certainly has the size and the inclination to stick his head in the fan and block a little bit. Um, 
so you know he's a guy that I like you know you know the question is is he going to have enough juice um, you know for the NFL is he ultimately sort of a Royce Freeman guy where yeah he's good at everything but he's not good enough at anything he could be that kind of player so Charbonnet right now is a guy I like but if he's going to be like the fifth round and the first you know the fifth pick of the first round in 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 um, single QB leagues man I don't know I think I probably want to be trading out of that um, and 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 that and I'll, I mean, I've got more to say on this class, but let's just shift to just making a point. I think sometimes, and this is probably something I mentioned before, but sometimes, and I think particularly with running back classes, oh, hopefully that was good news from Cablevision, um, what we tend to do is judge these running backs against each other. And the litmus test that we really should be using is what happens when this running back that we're looking at is placed into, say, a generic NFL depth chart, right? That's what matters. And it's how many of these guys, if they land in the right place, can make a dent. Now, Robinson and Gibbs, I don't care where they land, dents will be made, okay? But guys like Charbonnet... You know, if he landed a job like, say, Tampa a couple years ago, we could get excited about him. Um, but if he lands behind an established running back with size and three-down capability, we may never see this guy. So, um, you know, you really do have to sort of figure that stuff out. Um, uh, now to the, uh, to the other backs that I was sort of interested in. One thing I'm sort of just messing around with this draft is, you know, the smaller running backs outside of Gibbs, who's just special. Um, you know, the, the Arcanes, the Evans, even Deuce Vaughn, uh, Spears, Sean Tucker. You know, it, it looks like people have sort of fallen in love just based on, you know, sticking your finger up in the air. Um, you know, Arcane and Spears. And for me, I don't know if I see enough separation, like I might be very happy just saying, okay, I'm going to wait around and see if Evans or Tucker is there. Um, you know, those guys to me seem pretty good. So, you know, obviously the NFL is going to have a say on this. And I think we all see how things get reshuffled. We're going to have to see how that works. But there's a lot of that in this class where it's like, Love and perception is going to move some guys up and it's going to push some guys down. And if we can stay sober on that, get our emotions out of it, and just take the guys who are in that later area, we can do really well because you can afford to miss. And really, on paper, the players aren't that different. Um, anyway, so that was like 30 minutes of gab. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to be back maybe tomorrow night, but probably what's going to happen is Tuesday morning podcast, Wednesday morning podcast, and then day of the draft podcast. That's probably what's going to happen. Uh, so anyway, um, thanks for coming back. Uh, it's nice to see some downloads when I check things out. Um, again, I'll see you either tomorrow or the next day. And, uh, you know, it's drafting season, man. Giddy up.